0: The thing that I specialize in is the actual tax deed auction. When I enter into an auction and I purchase these properties, the reason the price is so low because it's it's the back tax owed as the opening bid. So people tend to, on average, it's about $3,000, $2,000, $3,000. When I win, that property is mine immediately. There's no redemption period. The only thing I have to worry about is clearing the title.
1: You found the Real Estate Law Podcast because real estate is more than just pretty pictures and law goes well beyond the paperwork and courtroom arguments. If you're a real estate professional or looking to build real estate expertise, then welcome to the conversation and discover more at realestatelawpodcast.com.
2: Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Law Podcast. And boy, do we have an interesting subject today that we haven't quite covered yet on this podcast. And Rory and I were just talking beforehand about the very topics we've talked about. You know, we, we love going deep into real estate, real estate law, lots of ways that you can invest your money, make lots of money, whether it's long-term rentals, short-term rentals, if you're wholesaling, if you're, you know, lots of the strategies that are out there, the Burr method, et cetera. Rory, we have not talked about tax deed investing just yet. Have
3: we? Nope. So I'm ready to learn today. I'm in learning mode. This is some different area of investing that we covered before. It's something that I'm aware of in concept, but I don't really know the inner workings of. So um, we'll be learning today together um, with our listeners about tax deed investing.
1: Yes,
2: yeah, so and we we had to go to the best expert that we could find online about tax deed investing, and I think we found a great one. We found the tax deed wolf, Joseph. This is Joseph Griffin from Orlando. How did you get
0: that that nickname? Funny story. I used to do uh network marketing. I was a part of this MLM and we had this assignment and it was like to find our animal and my animal. I related to the wolf because I could do it by myself. But you know, I could work well with a team, but if I had to get it done myself, I would still get it done. And and Mm -hmm. that just followed me throughout life. And once I dove into tax deed investing, I I just came up with the name. I was like, man, I should just be the tax deed wolf. No one's ever called themselves this before. I let's do it. And I told my wife and she, you know, most spouses would probably be like, what the heck are you talking about? But she was just like, you know what? Yeah, that sounds good. I like it.
2: Sometimes the best names kind of, you know, come from a little Brainstorm and then you just go with it. Like, don't overthink it. You know, if that was your animal that you know years ago, you you know was identified with you, and when you're going to formulate this business, become the expert in tax deeds. Why not be the tax deed wolf? And no one else was doing it. And makes you original. So that's amazing. Well, welcome to the Real Estate Law Podcast. We're really pleased to have you here as our, our very first person to speak about tax deed investing. So, you know, there's, you've been doing this for how many years? We'd love to get a, you know, kind of intro as to what your background is and, you know, tell us how you found your way into tax deed investing.
0: Definitely. So first off, it's an honor to be the first, right? And uh, since this niche is this, the niche that I've chosen with tax deeds, it's very, not many people know about it. So it was an awesome niche to get into. And I started my journey in 2000 uh, 2014 purchased my first home. So it's been, what's that like eight years now? I suck at math. All right. To mm. be a fun fact. But I do know how to flip properties. <laughs> so it started started in 2014. That was my first, my first purchase. The reason I dove into tax deeds, because it was literally the most affordable property acquisition that there was. The first home I purchased or the first property I purchased, it was an empty piece of land. I got it for only $3,000. Mm-hmm.
2: It's a price point that people can find their way into. And everyone needs a starting point, right? That's how a lot of wholesalers start too. They're you know, just looking to assign contracts or they're looking for quick ways to make some extra money. You know? So your first deal was a $3,000 property.
0: $3,000 property, I sold it for 10000 So yeah. after making $7,000, $7, it was like a month. I was just like, man, I think I made, I made more than I did as a nurse just flipping one property. So then we had this goal to just keep flipping properties. And I had a little bit of money saved up. I had $8,000 in my bank account at the time. And I went on, I purchased one for 3,000, one for 1,900. And then I used my VA loan and got another Hmm. home for zero, no money out of my pocket, just got the keys. So I had three homes in under 30 days and I used less than uh, $5,000. And I was like, man, this is... This is some good stuff. And I
3: stuck with it. I was going to say, just, you know, you're, we're talking about some really strikingly low numbers here. I and mean, I think a lot of people are probably anxious to, to just understand the basics. You know, what is this as is strategy? And, you know, how can you possibly obtain a property for $3,000?
0: Yeah, definitely. So in the U.S., when you own a property, you have to pay property taxes, right? And I'm going to break this down, like so like you said, break this down to like fifth grade level. You have to pay your property taxes. Now, a lot of times people are always like, well, what about the mortgage? Well, when you have a mortgage, we, we have what's called an escrow account, right? We're paying our property taxes and our insurance and our escrow. If you don't pay, the bank is typically going to foreclose on your home. That's a completely different auction. That's a completely different thing. When you own your home outright, you, you still have to pay property taxes. And a lot of people don't know this. I don't know if it's just like the lack of home ownership without mortgages, but a lot of people don't know that. If you don't pay your property taxes, typically two to three years, the county's going to take your property and they're going to sell it at an auction. Now, depending on what type of state you live in, you might live in a tax lien state, you might live in a tax deed state, or you might live in a tax redemption deed state. A lot of times people are confused with liens and deeds confused. When you purchase a lien, nothing really says that you're, you're getting that property. You're just Paying the back taxes for someone and to keep their property, they have to pay you back with interest. When you purchase in a redemption deed state, it's almost the same thing. It's just more understood that you're gonna acquire the deed to that, that property. They still have an amount of time to redeem. Now, the thing that I specialize in is the actual tax deed auction. When I enter into an auction and I purchase these properties, the reason the price is so low because it's it's the back taxes owed as the opening bid. So people tend to on average, it's only about $3,000, $2,000, $3,000. When I win, that property is mine immediately. There's no redemption period. The only thing I have to worry about is clearing the title.
3: What kind of properties are, are being lost for, it seems like a low balance for property taxes? Are these people who have forgotten to pay their property tax? Are these abandoned properties? What kind of properties come up in the, the tax lien auctions?
0: Good question. So these are typically the worst properties in the neighborhoods, right? we have to be completely completely transparent. You're not getting mansions or anything for $3,000. These are the bad apples that need some money. To be honest, the city loves for investors to get these properties and actually turn them around because they're the ones that are hurting the market, right? They're the ones that people may even be living in, doing drugs, who knows what's going on in some of these houses. And the terrible Ds, right? The homeowners, we typically say, you know, a death, a divorce, typically it's a grandparent that passed and, you know, the, the kids don't want the place or they don't even have the money to to keep up with it. They don't understand, you know, how to become a landlord. So they ultimately just let it go. That's typically what I, what I see.
3: So, you know, when you take over a property like this, does this mean that you have to you know, deal with squatters, deal with tenants and start the eviction process or the cleanup process? What does that look like if these are properties that are just completely undesirable?
0: Yeah, good question. So I don't like to go for properties that are occupied. We typically only go for the vacant properties. This depends on your state, on how easy or or hard it is to put someone out of their property. But Florida, I will say, is actually a very easy process to put someone out. We completely try to avoid that. What we do is we're looking for the ones that are vacant. We're looking for the ones that have the most potential. We try to purchase these assets at 60% under fair market value. So if the home's worth $100,000, we need our acquisition to be 40 k or less. That's typically our go-to. Now, to be completely honest with you, uh, Rory, unless you're Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk, Mm -hmm. these auctions are highest bidder takes all. There's some sharks in there, right? You might go in these auctions and you think you have a chance and they're just bidding, bidding, bidding. So we take our acquisition off market. We use these tax deed lists as leads, and we go approach property owners and we negotiate our own deals. The cool thing about that is when you win a property in a tax sale auction, the title is clouded and immediately you win it. So when you approach the, the previous owner, it's a clean sale. Now it saves us money because then we don't even have to go get attorneys and do uh, the the process, which called a quiet title to clear the title on these properties. So there's just so many, and some people are listening to this, like, what the heck is this guy talking about? Mm-hmm. But there's so many things that um, you have to know in this industry. Like I said, it's so special that you have to be 10 times smarter than everyone else. Sometimes even the title companies that I, I have to, tell them, hey, no, this is how we have to do this.
3: We purchased a, a lot that was um, subject to tax taking. We purchased it off the town, um, and the redemption period was just about a year away. But we wanted to do something with the land prior to that, so I actually had to go through and track down the old owners, realize that they had both passed, looked up the descendants in a different state, and look at the probate proceeding that was there, and actually reach out and try to negotiate with four surviving adult children to get them to you know accept a relatively small amount. I, they they had no legitimate claim to take it back or anything like that. It wasn't like we were taking title from them, but we had to you know, negotiate and kind of herd the cats to get to get that done to save a year. Otherwise, if we waited one more year, the redemption period would have run and we would have been able to have title insurance. But it's just an um, amazing amount of um, kind of paperwork and bureaucracy combined with um, creativity for solutions.
0: Right. It, it can be. Definitely. We have a process now um, when, when we get these properties. I'll win a property today and I can have it sold in just two weeks. Mm-hmm. And people are like, how do you do that? How do what? And so there's some specialized title companies out there that will issue title insurance. And then we know the. of course, you have the quiet title process. But if you can find the previous owner and just get them to sign over that deed, you're yeah. you're gold.
3: That was the question I had and how on earth do you do that? But I think you've answered that. I should say,
2: Rory, you know, you were able to track them down and it Mm -hmm. was worth every penny with the amount of money that we gave them, which was like a thousand bucks for their troubles is kind of what we said. And had we not been able to do that? I mean, this is us, the the two of us personally, you know, we're building a house in that lot right now. And, you know, last November, we closed a construction loan of 3% for 30 year fixed loan that we would not have been able to close this coming November if we had to wait another year because look where rates went, you know? So I think it, you know, that $1,000 right there and the work that you did to kind of track them down, you know, made us a ton of money in the end, in my opinion. So sometimes it's worth the work. I mean, like if you put in the equity to figure that, you know, the people out, you know, the parties out, it doesn't always work that way. You might have to find an attorney to do it, but good mm-hmm. thing worries an attorney. And, you know, Joseph, you're not even like looking to do anything with land sometimes. I mean, like, sometimes you you don't want to hold it, right? You just want to, Turn around and sell it to somebody else.
0: So yeah, in the beginning, I was flipping everything, but now we understand wealth, and uh, I'm holding on to everything that I can. Mm-hmm. We have other strategic things that we'll do. You know, we'll rehab and then uh, just cash out, take cash out, refinance, keep the property, put it on Airbnb or something. Mm-hmm. So we're we're holding on to everything that we can these days.
2: Are you getting most of your properties? The first one that you mentioned was land, right? The three thousand dollar property. Mm-hmm are you still acquiring land through tax deeds or are you mostly acquiring property that already has an existing dwelling on the property that just needs a lot of work?
0: We prefer the the land with structures. We, We prefer that, but I'll acquire land still any day because there's such a need, especially in Florida. And I was getting so good. I almost felt like a wholesaler, right? almost the same, except for I'm just buying the property. So I had a buyer's list, a strong buyer's list. People are harassing me for properties. Like, Hey, you have any more land? You have any more land? So I would literally, the minute I purchased, I already knew what I was going to sell it for. And I was just, you know, just, we're just flipping these things like hot kicks, whatever we can get our hands on. We're doing it. We don't really pass up any, any investment that, that makes sense.
2: Is most of what you're doing right now in Florida?
0: We're predominantly in the South. Uh, We're based out of Florida, but right now we're mostly Florida, Alabama, Louisiana, Texas, and Georgia. Those are our our five top uh, states
2: Is it because it's easier in those states to go about this tax deed process? I know that you mentioned there's three different types of states out there. Like, have you gravitated to the ones where it might be a quicker process for you, or is it just because geographically you're located in the Southeast?
0: You hit the nail on the head um, with your first statement. So so uh, to give you an example, Georgia and Texas are redemption deed states. Um, The thing that I don't like about, about their auction is it's in person and they have it only the first Tuesday of every month. So that means I have to literally go there and I can only go to one auction a month, right? So that's one thing we don't like about that. But then in Florida, most of our auctions are online. There are 67 counties in, in Florida and I can be in like five auctions a week just sitting on my butt buying property, right? So definitely love the Florida tax deed process. And then even diving deeper, Florida is a hybrid state. Uh, Florida has lien sales as well. Florida liens is they don't turn into deeds on year three or on year two. You have to force, as a lien holder, you have to force a public deed sale which is these auctions that I get in and win property anyway. So unless you just have so much money that you're trying to, you know, increase and get 12% or, or whatever percentage you win the bid returns, it doesn't even make sense. But then we have states like Alabama where liens do turn into deeds. You don't have to force any other auction. So we'll go acquire houses, three bedroom, two, two bath homes in Alabama with an acquisition of just $3,000. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, we have to put about $15,000, $20,000 into the rehab, but these are awesome rental rental properties. We're looking at ROI, return on investment on these properties on, on year two, year three. So, and, and there is equity there. So there's some awesome, yeah. awesome investments in Alabama. So I definitely like Alabama and I don't even live there, right? I never been <laughs> <Yeah. live>
2: there. <laughs> Roll tide, right? <laughs> uh, uh, are you an SEC guy?
0: I'm from New Orleans originally, so I'm like, yeah, go Tigers, uh, definitely.
2: <laughs> go G E A U X, right? Go Tigers. <laughs> I do love the color combo, right? Yellow is golden, purple of the yep. Tigers. Yeah,
0: gotta yep. love them Tigers. Uh,
2: Question with that, though, you know, you mentioned – and I, I followed some of your social media as well. We were talking a lot about short-term rentals, and we talk about that a lot on this podcast because that's what we do on the side. Are you starting to keep more of your properties as short-term rentals because of the revenue opportunity? Is it a good mix between long-term and short-term? Like what, what are you doing these
0: days versus what you used to be doing?
1: We'll be right back.
0: Every other real estate rental property deal analysis spreadsheet is wrong. The only spreadsheet that correctly analyzes your real estate deals, taking into account reserves, true cash flow, including depreciation and your true net equity on a property is the world's greatest real estate deal analysis spreadsheet from the real estate financial planner. Download a free copy today and finally start analyzing your rental properties correctly. Go to refp.info forward slash free to download it today. We try to short term if we can, but it's not my opinion, it's the market's opinion. So, if for instance, anything in Orlando, short term, like almost anything in Orlando, short term. But if we have a multi unit, then we may long term. So, we're closing, we should be closing on an apartment complex this week in uh, Daytona. It's 18 units. Five of those, it's two buildings. One building has like five units. We're gonna short term those, see how that goes. If that goes great, like we think it will, then slowly we just won't allow the long-term tenants to renew their leases. And we might convert the entire building to uh short-term rentals, you know, if all goes well. Really just the market. Every market is not good for short-term rentals. Every market doesn't even allow the short-term rentals. You know, look at what Atlanta's doing. You got so many cities that are are, are, are kind of looking down on it. So it, we kind of just play it by ear. We, we do a lot of research. So our research will determine pretty much what we're going to do for a certain area.
2: You know, if there's a lot of people that are bidding on these properties and if there's a lot of states where it's favorable, you know, such as the ones in which you're operating. I know that, you know, you you actually have I don't know if you have a mastermind or courses that you're selling and we could talk more about that later on. But, you know, Mm -hmm. why give away the secrets like, you know, you're creating competition for yourself, aren't you?
0: Yeah. People say that all the time. So the, the thing is I wasn't telling anybody for some time and then people kept, people were asking me, Hey, what are you doing? Hey, what are you doing? And I was like, you know what? Somebody was like, you should just teach make a course. And I was like, okay. And, you know, like But people really even want to know this stuff. I was like, people don't want to know this crap. It's boring. It's blah. And, and you know, I made the course and sure enough, I'm everyone wanted like it, people were so intrigued. Like, what is this? And and then I realized no one's really teaching these stuff, teaching these things. And when I when we saw the opportunity of how we could scale this further than anyone else has has really done, that's when we were like, okay, we we can do this. Now there's so much opportunity out there, though, Jason. I'm creating competition. And there's still so much for for everyone to win. Uh, I realized that the richest people in this world, the wealthiest people in this world, they actually get money together. Right. They, it's like they're competing, but they're, there's so many partnerships, there's so many collaborations and there's so many things in place to where you come here and then you go here. Right. They get money together. And, and that's ultimately what we did. We did. We established this network in our academy. We have our own lenders. You know, we have a list of properties. We have partnerships. To give you an example, in Texas, Everything is relationship building these days. That's I think that's the real key to my success. I just started sitting in a right rooms. an individual in Texas that gets the list of properties before the list is even put out. So we are able to go do our own lien. We, we're pretty much doing our own liens with some of these property owners. We're paying their back taxes for them. We're getting them under contract. They're signing the deed over to us. So if they don't pay us, we already own the property. It's just some some crazy things that we're able to do with, with these partnerships just from building relationships.
2: Yeah, I think that's key to any of this. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that real estate investors can be investing. And you, you even said it there, you know, how everyone could win because there's enough of this to go around. I think we've seen that in a lot of different types of investing. And it comes up a lot on this podcast where, you know, there's not a finite amount of money that can be made. Even in like a niche like this. I mean, it was interesting to hear you explain that because, you know, suddenly if you have all these students in Florida that are all bidding on the same auctions as you are on your computer, you know, I'm thinking, all right, you're all driving the price up on on each other. Um, (laughs) Talk about the types of people that you hear from who, who learn from you, who enter your courses, your student. What's their background like? The ones who are successful with it, like what separates them from the ones who aren't?
0: I was just about to like like bring that up after what you just said, because it's funny. I may have, you know, we had 500 students last year and we think rule of numbers only maybe 20 percent will even attempt it right? There's so many people, they'll come in the course. And just like college, how many people go to school and then drop out or even get a license and then never even actually work in that field or leave first year, right? It's the same thing. I always tell my students, how you do anything is how you do everything. So if you're that person that puts the work in and, and whatever you do, you're going to be successful, right? But if you've always been, you know, half asser, you're going to get into this industry, you're never going to buy a property. I don't care what method, I courses you take, you're just never going to be successful until you change your mindset and fo- and change you. So, with that being said, most of my students, I think they relate. They're travel nurses. We mostly get a lot of nurses, a lot of travel nurses, and nurses. I think it's because they relate to me because I, I was able to leave nursing at age 29. You know, when people see that, they're like, "I want to do that." I make enough money to do that. And you'd be amazed at some of the caliber of students that I do have. We have some travel nurses that have saved up like $200,000 and they still have no idea what to do with it. Right. They don't know how to pay themselves. They don't understand proper business structure, uh, asset protection, nothing. People think that just because they go online and, and open up an LLC that they're protected. Right. It's their personal name, their personal address. I mean, it's almost it's not amazing, but I think I was very surprised to see how much people really don't know. And, and that's why we wanted to incorporate that into our academy. We're teaching everything, not just how to buy tax deeds, because you need to understand the basics. You need to understand proper business structure, asset protection, how to file your taxes, right? Who to call for certain things, having a team, a real estate agent, attorney. I have my students, they need an attorney on their team in their state. But it's something that a lot of people won't, won't tell you. They won't they won't teach you these things. But it's super important.
1: Yeah,
2: that's where Rory comes in. He's the attorney, <laughs> he's the broker, he does the taxes. <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's an integral part to my team, to our team. But, you know, being the attorney on this uh, on this podcast, Rory, like, you know, I know you're not operating in Florida, but, you know, listening to what you know Joseph's doing and uh, his teaching tax deed investing to his students, like, wh- what are some things that people should look out for? And like, why should they contact an attorney if they're going to run down this road?
3: Well, this is one of those areas where things vary so much state to state. And here it varies very much town to town, even because the town is the level, at least in Massachusetts, where people are have property taxes. And each town has its own personality, own processes for the tax the tax deeds. But having somebody who really specializes in that space is going to to be critical. Um, it's not something that your friend who's a divorce attorney can handle for you. This is a really specialized body of knowledge, and it's very different state to state. That's where someone going to start for it. And you have to understand kind of the risks that are involved you know some states I'd imagine it's a pretty clean process to get a tax deed but in other places you could possibly pay for it purchase tax deed and then encounter a lot more expenses just to clear to quiet title or to actually gain possession of the property so it might not be a great investment strategy in some places for those who can't uh, weather the risks that are involved
0: Definitely, it's funny you say that. How many how many times do uh, you hear people is like, "Oh no, my friend's an attorney." Okay, mm-hmm. what kind of attorney? Mm-hmm.
2: Let's <laughs> well, just say my friend's a doctor, right? It's like, all mm-hmm. right, well, you know, is is your friend a cardiologist? You know, is she a <laughs> pulmonologist? Like, is she a dermatologist? Yeah, you know, oh no, she's a family practitioner. Okay, great. She's not going to you know cut <laughs> me open and do open heart surgery on me, but she's going to refer me to somebody that probably can do that so you know not all attorneys are cut the same way not all doctors are cut the same way not all real estate investors are cut the same way i'm sure there's some stuff that you know joseph you you probably have networked with a ton of people that probably do a certain type of real estate investing a great way that you have no experience doing yourself because you've kind of picked this niche and you know you've gone all in on it and done really well with it
0: i think that's why it's, it's super important to have that guidance like was was just saying we we kind of get an analysis paralysis a little bit when we hear so many different people saying so many different things. You know, you got Dave Ramsey telling you to save, save, save. You got, you know, people like Grant Cardone telling you invest, invest, get in, get in debt, get in debt. Uh, you're like, what do I do? What do I do? So and we're all different. There's no school teaches us one right, like one right answer. But then when we get in the real world, we understand it's just more about more appropriate versus less appropriate decision making.
2: I could just picture like, you know, Dave Ramsey on one shoulder saying one thing, Grant Cardone being the other <laughs> one saying leverage, 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 right? you know, don't save money. Talk about some of your awesome deals. Like, you know, you've been doing this for a while now. Like, you know, what are some of the home runs that you've hit?
0: One of my favorite deals was when I was when I really knew I was just done with nursing. I got an empty lot for $3,000 and I sold it to a builder for 18,500. I was like, Man, if I just do three of these a year, I'm making more money than I did as a nurse. And, and that's when it really hit me. One of the best deals that we've done, that was one of my business partners. He got a property up in the panhandle of Florida, Bay County or something like that. $15,000 he acquired the property for. And without rehabbing it or anything, he sold it as is for $130,000. By far the best flip that I've ever seen from a tax deed auction without touching, without rehabbing. By far one of the, the better deals that I've seen. And now looking at what the market just, because this was a few years ago, if he would have held it to what the market just did over the past two years, it would have been worth more. So this was 130000 in like 2019. That was crazy.
2: Talk about 10xing your money. That was 10xing your money right there.
0: I love this strategy because you don't need good credit. If you do have good credit, we even teach some um, ways to leverage, you know, getting business credit and then uh, how to turn those business, how to turn that business credit into cash. There's just so many techniques out there. A lot of us are stuck because we're stopping ourselves. Right. So so many of us like, oh, I can't do this. I can't go. To, I can't go to law school because X, Y, Z, we give ourselves the boundaries like we we give ourselves the restrictions. But knowing what I know now, there's there's a thousand ways to do whatever the heck you want to do in this world.
3: Are there certain market conditions that work better for the strategy? In my mind, this is a strategy that, you know, relies on there being a good number of distressed properties. So I kind of think this is a down economy type of investment. But you've been doing it well the past couple of years and then up economy. What's the best market condition to
0: invest in tax deeds? So we want active markets typically. So there's some properties, there's some places that we'll look at, to give you an example, Alabama, where we go to run comps and like, we don't even have any comps. There's been no sales in this entire area for like three years. Those aren't the best areas to, to be trying to flip something in. Right. But then we have places in Florida. The only thing that we really need, is activity, right? Florida, so many people are moving to Florida. I think I'm just spoiled. It it just made my life so much easier. But I can almost go buy a property in in any of the counties and I know I'm going to be able to flip it. Almost, all right. I said almost, but um, for the most part, we just need activity. We need employment. Almost the same for for any other type of real estate investment. To be honest with you, we we need to make sure the employment rates there. You really want to dive into the crime, the schools, what other businesses are going to that area. We'll, we'll literally target the same way we we'll target multifamily real estate. Is there a Starbucks there? Is there a McDonald's? You know who's. It's Facebook bringing their company here, right? So th- those are the things that we will sit on property. We'll buy and hold sometimes knowing that a piece of land is it's underdeveloped, but they're about to develop the heck out of it.
1: We'll be right back.
3: Hi, I'm Alex Brayshaw. Join me as I celebrate the positive impact of business and what drives the people behind it. It's a chance to hear from business leaders, emerging sectors and industry influencers about their unfinished business in just 25 minutes.
2: And my guess is you'll definitely pay your taxes when you're buying, Mm. holding that land just so you don't end up on that same list and have people bidding and taking it away.
1: I mean, Rory
0: just mentioned that too. That is a thing. Sometimes you might win the bid for $5,000, but then you never took an account, quiet title, $3,000. You never took an account liens. You didn't even search for liens. Now you got a $20,000 lien on this property. Uh, now you're stuck with the property taxes and you didn't even know there was HOA fees on this property. You know what I mean? There's so many other things that the due diligence is the most important aspect to to, to real estate in general, but especially in the, in the tax deed industry.
2: Yeah. Cause you can get yourself in a lot of trouble if you're, if you're buying these things blindly. And then next thing you know, you know, for you to take possession, there's a whole lot more that you have to invest in it. So I'm guessing that some people who don't know what they're doing are, are winning these auctions and they're just saying, I didn't realize that I had all these liens and mm-hmm. they can't afford them. Right. So they just end up back on the list.
0: Back on the list. They're messaging me on Instagram. That's what they're doing. They're, they're contacting me. <laughs> <laughs> True story. Like,
2: writing in your DM saying, save me. <laughs> Why don't we get into our final couple of questions that we ask of all of our guests. And then we'd love to have you you know, talk a little bit more about uh, the program that you offer your students and how people can get a hold of you to learn more. Because, you know, this is such a fascinating component of real estate investing that I think a lot of people that are listening to this podcast might not have considered, uh, especially if you're in a state that, you know, maybe here in the Northeast, like you might not consider it because it might not be as common up here. I actually don't know, um, but, you know, you might be. Just because you're in Massachusetts doesn't mean you can't invest in Florida. A lot of people do it. Yeah, let's get to our final couple of questions that we ask of all of our guests who are on the podcast uh, just as a way to kind of get to know you a little bit more and uh, see what you have to say. First question is, if you can get on stage for a half hour and talk about any subject in the world with zero preparation, what would it be?
0: The obvious answer would, would definitely be tax deeds. Um, this is something that I can talk about in multiple states. Put a lot of time and effort into this and understanding it. The the other thing that I would say that I could probably talk about is our resiliency. That would so more like a motivational uh, speech. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You know, your background as a veteran and as a nurse, uh, I can imagine there's a lot of stories that would contribute to that resiliency talk. So we'll have to listen to the both.
0: Oh yeah, hundred percent. I think that leads into your second question. <laughs>
2: yeah. Second question: Tell us something Perfect. that happened early in your life or career that impacts the way that you are working today.
0: Ooh. All right. So, you know, what's funny. I don't think I introduced myself officially. Right. Um, but I'm originally from New Orleans, Louisiana. And uh, after Hurricane Katrina, I was kind of like living all over the place and, you know, sleeping in this person's home on their couch. And then here and then here. I joined the Army when I was 17. And from then, what happened in my life to really make me what I am today is uh, a whole bunch of crap, just like everybody else, right? Everyone has, has their story. But one thing that the military taught me was how to fail fast and move on. So, you know, things happen. You, you learn your lesson and you drive on you, you, you have to drive on. The minute you stop is the minute you're, you're done. The, The minute you give up on yourself is the minute you're done. I've been in a, a lot of crappy situations, right? From from um, being stuck outside in the, in the snow to being bombed to to gunshots, right? I've seen it all. But guess what? That's not an excuse. You know, I still ultimately wanted to be the tax deed wolf, so <laughs> I had to get up every single day and make it happen, right? We've I've been divorced before. So many people will use anything as an excuse but we create these boundaries for ourselves. So, so that's the one thing that I've learned is, is the sky is not the limit. Your mind is. So you can do whatever it is that you want to do. You just have to believe it first before all.
2: I sense a lot of motivational speaking in your team. That That was one of the best answers that I've heard so far. I love what you said. Fail fast and move forward. Was that it?
0: Fail fast and move on. I literally have it uh tattooed on my tattooed on my arm over here. One of my first sergeants used to always tell us that just fail fast and move on. You can't change it. It's done. Yeah. It's over. Let's keep moving. Yep. Yeah.
2: Thank you for sharing that. I mean, like I want to end on that note, but let's get to the final question and then you can tell people where you can find you. The final question that we have. Tell us something that you're watching or reading or listening to these days.
0: Something that I am doing more of is podcasts and, and books, right? The one thing that I'm reading right now, how to win friends and influence people. I try to distance myself to, from the negativity because uh, what you tune into, you turn into. Um, definitely figuring that out. So staying away from uh, negative minded people, whether they're family, whether they're friends, you know, had to change a lot of of, of my circle. I'm pretty much hanging around millionaires at this point. That's all. If you're a millionaire and and you can show me how to get where i want to be that's where i'm that's where i'm hanging out and that's what i'm listening listening to how to how to win friends and influence people is one of the good reasons i'm listening to right now
2: yeah it's good to have that circle i mean and and you know it's a good positive influence i mean just because you're a millionaire doesn't make you a good person but you're probably hanging out with good millionaires that are are smart that are you know teaching you something with your business that are you know probably intellectually and spiritually Mm -hmm. positive people yeah i mean like you know we are who we surround ourselves with and you know it's important to remove the negativity from their lives mm-hmm. uh and you know if you're listening to this and you're around a lot of naysayers you know you have to go find a couple people go find your tribe people who actually you know will be encouraging and uplifting and tell you you're on the right path or they'll tell you mm-hmm. when you're wrong you know but they'll be honest about it
0: go hang around the rory's and the jason's y'all <laughs> That's and the jo- no and the josephs <laughs> you know, you know, more, yeah <laughs>
2: Joseph, this has been an amazing conversation, uh, again, about a subject that we haven't really talked about too much here on this podcast. I'm sure a lot of people who are listening are saying, I want to learn from Joseph. I need to learn more about tax deed investing. Uh, We will put all this stuff in the show notes, but tell us what's the easiest way to get a hold of you and what are some things that you'd like uh, some people to know if they want to get a hold of you?
0: Definitely. So we've, we've branded really well as the tax deed wolf. So what I want you to do, we all are familiar with Google. I would literally just rather just go to Google and go search Tax Deed Wolf. Uh, Our Instagram is Tax Deed Wolf. TikTok, Facebook, every platform that you can think of, we're Tax Deed Wolf on every platform. So that's how you're going to find us. Just search for Tax Deed Wolf. And my team and I will gladly point you in the right direction because what we don't want to do is see people lose money. I, I wasn't lying when when I say, Jason, that there's so many people in my DMs that come to me after the fact, like, hey, I just purchased this property and I'm stuck. I don't even know what to do. You know, this and that. We want to prevent. I was a nurse. I come from a, a history of preventing disease. We don't want to see you when you're already having the heart attack. We want you to be doing the right things to not have the heart attack, right? So this, this is how we do everything holistically. That's what we want. We want you to come to us to make sure you're, you're doing everything right from proper business structure asset protection, your taxes, right? And I'm not the expert in, in all of these things, but guess what? At the Academy, we hire the experts to come teach you. So I'm not teaching you business credit. I'm getting one of the top instructors to come teach you business credit. I'm not teaching you law. I would call Rory and say, Rory, can I pay you to come teach a class for my students? All right, so we're getting the experts to come teach you in every category. And I think I'll land my plane there. Yeah, all right.
2: <laughs> got a great logo. Also, you can see it right there. I love it. It's the, I see the wolf and it's a house right there in the wolf. It's like, who came up with that for you?
0: uh my business partner when he found me on social media uh he saw what i was doing with the tax deeds and and it, ironically he worked with grant cardone and he was like man you could 10x that and i was like how huh? are you talking about he was like you we should start a fund and you know we can invest in in these tax deeds with through the fund and this and that create x amount of returns and you know ultimately that's success love speed right? You can't just sit around and keep thinking about the house because then someone else is going to get it, right? You keep thinking about investing in the stock and now it's gone up a hundred bucks, right? So we jumped right into it. Okay, let's do it. It's been great.
2: I saw words beneath it. Is it capital?
0: Yeah, Wolfpack Capital. This is our our fund. Right. Right. Yeah.
2: That's great. Well, um, congratulations for all that and putting the class together and really doing a lot of due diligence in the subject that, you know, is, it sounds complicated, but, you know, when you break it down, you know, on paper, it's a little bit easier to understand and then surrounding it with a lot of the right resources. Cause you're right. It's not just understanding what this is, but it's, you know, building the team from the ground up, you know, and every real estate strategy is going to have that, you know, you can understand what the strategy is. Everyone gets the Burr method if you're listening to real estate investing podcasts, but like, how do you build a team around that? You know, taxes, attorney, inspectors, contractors, everything. You got to build your team. So, you know. They you forget the
0: about the bank. That's oh, yeah. Cool. yeah.
2: The bank. Number one. We'll, <laughs> come, we'll come to you for the capital now that you have the capital <laughs> firm. Hey, Rory, where can everyone find you?
3: Uh, people looking for me, they can find me at my real estate brokerage, Next Home Tettletown, com, or my law practice, Urban Village Legal, urbanvillagelegal.com. Yes.
2: Yes. Has not earned the title of wolf just yet. We'll leave that for you, Joseph. <laughs> so, thanks for the conversation. This has been great. Um, you know, we'll link all this up in the show notes as I mentioned, Joseph. We really appreciate all your time today in talking about tax deeds and and lots of great inspiration as well. I think that you know this this conversation easily could have gone into mindset more than it really did, but you know I'm glad you were able to sprinkle that into this conversation because one one thing we've learned a lot with real estate investing and real estate investors is that they all have a really positive mindset. Maybe it's comfortable. From adversity or maybe it's come from a different spot. You need to have that mindset if what you're going to do is anything in this space. And you know, you certainly have made that clear today. So thank you for that. Uh, uh, I appreciate it as well. Thank you for listening. If you are still listening to the podcast, um, you know, we appreciate the fact that you've made it to the end of the episode. Uh, we'd love it if you can give us a rating, uh, hopefully a five star rating or a comment on YouTube or shoot me an email. Jason at nexthometitletown.com is where you'll find me. Uh, we read them all. We respond to them all. Uh, if you want to be a guest in the podcast, also reach out to me and we'll get you scheduled. Thank you, Joseph. On behalf of Joseph and Rory, this is Jason, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.
1: This has been the Real Estate Law Podcast. Because real estate is more than just pretty pictures and law goes well beyond the paperwork and courtroom arguments. We're powered by Next Home Titletown, Greater Boston's progressive real estate brokerage. More at nexthometitletown.com. And Urban Village Legal, Massachusetts Real Estate Council, serving savvy property owners, lenders and investors urbanvillagelegal.com. Today's conversation was not legal advice, but we hope you found it entertaining and informative. Discover more at realestatelawpodcast.com. Thank you for listening.